episode of the Airy Fairy Podcast with Aliku and Mary. Well, welcome back, everyone. Here we are, episode number four. Today, we thought we would talk to you um, about anxiety. There's a lot about it around, isn't there, Aliki? I'm noticing, I'm seeing a few people lately, actually, a lot of people, even those around me, just talking a lot about anxiety and feeling a type of anxiety that they may have not felt before or experienced it in a um, different way. And I'm, I'm seeing it a lot as well. And I guess one of the things that I wanted to explore today is, you know, what, what really is anxiety? What is it that causes it? What is it when it's too much? Is it a natural state? Because I think sometimes people do get a little bit confused. It's almost as though they start to panic that they're feeling the anxiety Yes. And it makes it even worse. So they try and avoid that feeling of feeling anxious. Yeah. By resisting the feeling as well, which actually compounds upon the, the feeling even more. Sometimes we forget that anxiety is actually a natural state for us as people. Yeah. That's true. A lot of people do need a level of anxiety to function. And it's also a mechanism for us to to utilize when we understand it but because we're conditioned a lot to make our lives work be a certain way function a certain way a lot of the anxiety symptoms become an inconvenience to everyday life so are you talking now about how stress and our pressure that we put on ourselves for our lives contribute to anxiety there doesn't seem to be much room for people to reflect on how they feel, how they think, what's going on in their life and not having that room sometimes because of the busy external world, you know, dealing with children, work-related stuff, their partners, family, maybe a sick family member as well. It becomes a lot to deal with all together keeping the functioning of processes in one's life so having that feeling of anxiety to deal with it becomes an inconvenience and wanting to stop and actually identify what this feeling is and where it's coming from not many people want to make the time for it yeah and I would say too maybe a lot of people don't actually have the awareness that it's potentially a compounding of of factors that that they may be able to, through exploration, start to eliminate and take the inroads and make the changes and steps to reduce some of the factors that contribute to anxiety. It is a part of life. It's a part of certain stages of progression. It's um, part of change, performance, and it's also related to a fear, uncertainty. I guess where I'm thinking, Aliki, is on a very primitive level, we are as human beings, mammals, whatever you want to call us, we actually have this ability to get tripped into this fight, flight, freeze mechanism for survival. Mind. Yep. So, so what happens is we perceive a threat, our body goes into the, the fight, flight, freeze response, the blood starts pumping. We take uh, the blood away from the extremities. The heart goes faster. Our pupils dilate. All of a sudden, we're not really looking at the world around us too much because if we're running from the saber-toothed tiger, we don't need to be 
looking at the beautiful trees and and the birds because we're we're running for our survival and it's meant to be a short sharp swift way for us to get ourselves out of danger and the way that our brain works it doesn't know the difference between running from a tiger or rushing towards a deadline the response in our body is exactly the same and unlike running from the tiger where we can look around and see that it's finished and the tiger's not there and we're safe and it's finished it's over we can bring our body back down to calm we don't have the same mechanism when we're constantly dealing with work pressures kid pressures financial pressures they just go on and on and on and so that mechanism doesn't have an ability to actually bring itself back and stop What you described was really great and I'm going to add to that even more. So I would say the biology of the anxiety a lot of people experience and if we take it a little bit further and bring it out a little bit more, it's also the source of it and not everyone's source is the same. So not everyone is running from a tiger. Yeah there's a very different source to everyone's anxiety and that also can complicate it and make its existence within a person's being a lot more longer or short-term so long-term anxiety or short short-term anxiety and looking at a person's whole field so their whole energy field they're also their behavior their circumstances that they're dealing with in life it comes to a point sometimes where we're looking at them as a person just where they're at in their own evolution process in life and breaking that down now again not everyone wants to do that not everyone wants to make room for that change and for that self-reflection And I think that's a really important factor that we also need to talk about today because you can have a lot of those fight and flight symptoms and yes, they are there. And yes, it's about interrupting them. But is that enough? I would say it's not enough. It's not the Mm -hmm. only thing. And for me, what I see in my practice is when the client realises what's required of them to actually bring it down, it isn't just a biological function you're bringing down. You're actually making a, a holistic change. And, you know, there are so many factors that contribute to anxiety and depression that people may not even realise. The depression and anxiety rates for teens at the moment are four times the rates of previous generations. And the reason for that, Aliki, is that it's because of the technology addiction that children have. And what happens with that is it interrupts their dopamine, the neurotransmitters. So they're unable to regulate themselves. And what ends up, what they end up going into is this addiction for dopamine, which means that they can't actually regulate themselves properly. So what ends up happening is that the brain is constantly seeking a reward, an instant gratification reward. And when it doesn't get that instant gratification reward, it then starts feeling uncomfortable and like it's seeking it. And for me, that's that's the beginning of anxiety. 
So I actually see, I work a lot with teens and a lot with kids, and that's exactly what I see, anxiety coming from a young age. And a lot of these tech companies know this dopamine addiction is very real. And I would say the flip side of the dopamine addiction is an anxiety addiction because we become addicted to things very, very easily as people. And what ends up happening is that the the brain that becomes anxiety addicted finds it very challenging to actually be calm. That in itself feels quite unfamiliar to them. So one of the things that I sort of really counsel my clients to look at is how much social media are you doing? What are you doing on it? Particularly girls, they like to feel like they belong. So things like Instagram or Snapchat where they're getting hits and likes, that hits into that that insecurity. And if they don't get it and they don't feel like they belong, they start to feel anxious. For boys, it's about that risk-taking and feeling a lot more like they're living on that edge. And if they don't feel... If they, as they become addicted to that, life then seems very boring in comparison to that. I'm going to add to that because I've also worked with teens and children. It's a case-by-case situation. Yes, social media is something that a lot of teens are dealing with and a lot of parents are dealing with. And... A part of the issue as well is the way that a lot of teens are processing their emotions and content is different from those of us that weren't brought up with a lot of that type of external stimulation. I do a lot of work based on looking at the energy field, having had a background of energy work probably for about 18 years now, I look at the energy field in that particular person as well as what's happening with them in a pragmatic way. It's looking at that person as to what is driving that anxiety at that time right now in life. So sometimes it can be a phase a phase that they're going through it's putting all the pieces together in a puzzle as well as looking at the linear animal aspect to it all but it's also looking at the emotionality and yes we are we are highly addictive people we are and the reason why we are is because when we find something like mary said said that provides a a feel-good feedback We just keep reaffirming it. We anchor ourselves to that. It doesn't matter if it's good or bad. We just anchor ourselves to the experience of receiving that. And it's not until later on that we notice the impact of that choice or addiction or behavior that it's making because we don't really see or understand the full impact of some experiences or behaviors or choices that we make. And so a lot of that anxiety is noticing how we've made a choice, we're taking action or behaviour, and then after that, we're noticing the experience of what we're feeling from that, which also creates anxiety. And not knowing how to then deal with it, because you can't go back and and, um, re-edit 
and redo it, that choice or experience or decision. So you're in it now. And it's learning how to move from that place because a lot of anxiety is not knowing how to move forward, not knowing what changes to make, not knowing what to listen to, not knowing what to trust if we're getting messages from our higher self. And for me, it's a real sense of powerlessness, you know, feeling like you have absolutely no power in it. And this is where I feel quite a lot of the cognitive processes for anxiety miss the mark because they're asking somebody who's feeling crippled by this very real feeling. You know, if you've experienced a panic attack, the last thing you're going to want to be able to do, not want to, the last thing you'll be able to do is actually stop and do your breathing, you know, <laughs> or, or actually stop and, you know, identify the five things that you can feel, touch, see, taste, whatever. When you're full-blown in an emotional upset like that, in an attack, that's your subconscious screaming out to you, I am not safe and I cannot do this. So no amount of cognitive stuff is going to work for you then. And then we're looking at the aspect of them that is running the show and taking over to bring on that experience. So if they're in that heightened stage or if they're also dissociated, to interject and to try and calm that person down with just basic calm tactics, it's going to have a very short-lived effect. If any effect, if they're able to do it in the first place. Because a lot of people, the last thing, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but I have personally, and I've, and I've actually done it to my kids, much to their horror, is you tell someone who's in absolute stress out thing, calm down. Last thing that person wants to do is calm down. That pattern of feeling is showing itself for a reason. It's about being around people that can understand you are going through something. The environment also determines the impact and the hold the anxiety has. How we respond to a person can make it worse as well. Invalidating them is the number one thing I think that people do that's wrong. Oh, don't worry about it. It's going to be good. You'll be fine. We seem to be in a society where if someone's emotional or showing an upset, we tend to try and suffocate it and put a stop to it yeah we want to make it go away make it stop and the reason around a lot of that is because it makes that person feel uncomfortable they're also not in touch with their own emotions they probably are at their point that they don't really know what else to do with that other person time sometimes it's a time-based thing oh come on i just want to get moving on to the next thing that inflames the anxiety experience even more so we look at a lot of dynamics we look at factors we look at the biochemistry we look at the biology we look at the the spirit side and all of this coming together plays a big role the two of us we work a lot with anxiety it's such um, a variable area it's a variable area I can tell you that there are people that just want it done. They want a quick fix. They want you to just do it because they've got to get on with their day. They've got to get on with their life. I need to be honest that sometimes it's just not going to work that way. 
And I think too, Aliki, sometimes people don't realise when they've come in again, because we've said this before, that, you know, they might be coming in because they're feeling stressed out or anxious about being left out of a will, for example, and it's created this big drama for them and they just want to deal with how they feel around this particular scenario, not realising that they've actually been stressed and anxious their whole life, which is why this thing has tipped them over the edge and they're just as unable, maybe even more so unable to deal with this one. So you're talking about a catalytic experience that reignites anxiety. It's already there. It's underlying. Yeah. It's already there. They've yeah. already, it's already potentially controlling. You know, for me, some of the um, hallmarks of anxiety are controlling behaviours, whether they're controlling for yourself, whether you're trying to control yourself or other people or your environment. Another one that I notice is a lot of ruminating, a lot of questioning, you know, why, why did I say this? Why did I do that? Why couldn't I? And another one is this lack of power to actually feel that you can enact any real influence over what's going on. So for me, they're the three main prongs that, that I kind of notice when, when people come in for a presentation of anxiety. And then we can go into what is the payoff that the anxiety is providing? Yeah. Is it a whole different level? So when we speak about this, we're, we're just giving you a very succinct, uh, general type of ballpark here to relate to. But there's a lot of areas that we look at because anxiety can be a payoff. Oh, if it is. Yes, if you, it's absolutely if I, there to save you, help you. If a person isn't receiving the right type of attention in, in their life and they receive uh, care and empathy through being anxious all the time, is that person going to want to give up anxiety? But also anxiety creates a sense of hypervigilance, which also helps if you perhaps in the past hadn't been as vigilant as you needed to be. And the hypervigilance gives you that state of alert so that you won't be hijacked again, so that you won't be blindsided again. Being on top of everything is part of that too. So if we take that anxiety away, they may not want to give that up. So it's looking at that payoff. Is the anxiety working for them? Do they need it somehow? Are they really saying it's as bad as what it is for them? Are they just using it as a label? But is it really that much of an issue? So we're looking at how the anxiety is utilised in their life. As we said, we need that level of anxiety. You know, if we need to get to, um, to the airport on time, Exactly. We're yeah. going to focus. That's See, exactly where my brain was going, Aliki. <laughs> See, we're, we're in the same consciousness. Mm. And we need to get a wriggle on, don't we? And make sure that we catch that plane on time. And if we're going to bungee jump off a tower, we may want to do that. But there's going to be some anxiety around that. You know, we want to be in a heightened state to make sure the cord's tied on properly and to make sure we're safe. And being someone that has actually bungee jumped off a tower many, many years ago, believe me, I needed that anxiety there. Yeah. And there's also that similar anxiety of when something exciting is coming up that you really want to go well. 
So it's not this negative ruminating anxiety, but it's this, I've got this big function coming up or it's my wedding day or something and I really want it to go well. Um, and there's a little bit of just, just to keep you sharp, you know. And I think sometimes people can fall into the trap of wanting the sharpness of the anxiety mm -hmm. so that they can really focus and get that assignment done on the mm -hmm. deadline um, or to really make sure they haven't missed a guest off their guest list or the seating arrangement and also um, feeling that um, if they don't have that, that they'll just do nothing. It's also looking at am I making myself wrong for feeling anxious mm. and continuously whipping self for feeling this way? Mm. And then it becomes another self-destructive pattern. Oh, I love that, Aliki, because it then becomes a story that we tell ourselves about it. And we're, you know, we are a collection of stories, aren't we, each of us? Some of us more than others. <laughs> and it's those stories and our judgment potentially of the story that makes that anxiety detrimental or that makes it good for us. I want to just go deeper into using anxiety as a part of self-sabotage because this is something that perhaps isn't always talked about. We hear a lot of people saying, oh, I'm just really anxious, I'm going through anxiety, I'm feeling anxious. I've tried this, I've tried that. I've had homeopathy. I've, I've done, I listen to recordings. I, I meditate. I meditate. I do yoga. And it's that I'm taking on everything I'm, I'm supposed to do type of a situation. I'm doing all the right things. I'm taking responsibility for it. See, I'm showing you that I'm taking action. Mm. But there's a mechanism they've got going on in the background that's saying, I'm going to make sure that none of this works. The good old saboteur, Aliki. Is that what that's you're right. talking about? Yes. I'm going to make sure that none, none of this works. Because if it does work, I'm going to be missing out on a particular type of a scenario, a situation, a treatment that I'm getting. So again, we're bringing it back to needs. Payoff. Payoff. Benefit. It's a major, major, major factor of anxiety. Also, Which is the reward of the dopamine again, you know, if we yeah. go back to that and and you know it's quite interesting someone spoke to me because you know I like my metaphors and it's about you know how much energy do you need to expel for the bicycle to keep moving you know because if you pedal too slowly the bicycle will fall down but if you pedal too fast and you're going too fast all the time you will get tired so it's the same kind of thing we need some anxiety to pedal that bicycle because otherwise it'll fall down Otherwise, we just wouldn't get get wouldn't get through anything. We just we just delay it, delay it, delay it. So we do need a little bit to sort of motivate us for motivational benefit. And I guess maybe that's an, a, a way for us to move into this. You know, maybe we start now talking about anxiety and motivation. And that comes to self awareness and self regulation, being able to be aware enough to notice. Is my energy too far out of myself now? Do I need to pull it back in? And learning that. It's hard to teach a 15 or 16-year-old or 17-year-old that. 
yeah how to regulate themselves it's hard to do that so one of their ways to try and regulate is through constantly is an external force and it comes down to self-responsibility and learning to be responsible for self which is what I do really like about some of the cognitive tools that we've got you know and you know there are some really good things we can do from a place of calm you know meditation's great mindfulness is great having doing breathing deep belly breathing's got some extraordinary benefits it's just not going to help you when you're in the throes of anxiety exercise is also got some incredible benefits for just going for a walk is incredible in nature yeah in nature being in nature touching yeah. a leaf on a tree it yeah. sounds so simple but it makes a difference even just closing the eyes just closing the eyes automatically switches the brain and it helps switch the brain into an alpha state and it does slow down so when you do feel like everything's going on around you and you just want to take a few moments to just sit there close your eyes yeah that's a really good one Aliki music can also be really good if you're feeling like you're having a bit of a bad day you know have a playlist that is your good upbeat music that you can really use to help inspire you out of where you are and it doesn't mean that you don't want to acknowledge where you're at but it's something that you can take the reins of and make the decision to say yeah okay I'm struggling a little bit with motivation today so let me just put this on and I can really internally charge because this has some meaning to me so I can internally build myself rather than externally try and build myself I think that we need to change the word anxiety too. I'm going through an experience right now that I'm needing to get a handle on myself and really evaluate what's going on in areas of my life and within myself. People, I think, do confuse overwhelm with anxiety. When they're overwhelmed, that's it. That's, you know, that that could potentially be another. But I do take your point that it's, um, it, is, it is potentially an overused word. And it's an overused word. And, and people who don't have not really felt the cripple of it may not pay it the respect it's due. It's so limiting. It's mm. so confined to a person's experience. And, and I've just got to say, Leaky, it's my anxiety. Mm. I love it when my clients say it's my anxiety. So that tells me that they will not really want to give it up very easily because it's theirs. You're up for a fight. So I guess, Aliki, you know, in, in our modern life, we need to accept that there's going to be a, a low-grade level of anxiety. We all have a lot going on. We all have dreams and ambitions and lots of balls in the air. And I guess for me, the key is when what, what level of anxiety is okay and normal and what is too much. And for me, it too much anxiety is when I feel that I cannot cope with what I've been given. When it starts to affect my quality of sleep, mm. when it starts to affect my relationships, when it starts to affect my ability to socialise, to go to work, to do my job. I would say adding to that, it's around a person's capacity, personal capacity understanding what that is and knowing that you cannot do things the same way as your neighbor 
or the person that you work with or your partner or your friend and realizing that that personal capacity plays a huge part where your own personal energy levels are where your own personal focus is and we all have different ways of doing things we all have different ways of functioning and learning one's personal capacity is so important and that is such a regulating such a good point Aliki it's it's so true people often feel that just because one person can deal with this high pressured job or high pressured family that they should be able to then we're not equal like that people and not being real with yourself around your own personal capacity can be a part of the problem and also wanting more than you're able to do but not understanding your own limitations around capacity because That's I think right. we I think we do have an amount of flex at some point but if you're just sitting there wishing and hoping and praying that you can be like Fred next door and you've done nothing different then that that is anxiety you really can't do anything about performance does come into play and performance again is related to one's personal capacity understanding that level of how am I not reaching my capacity here is that an expectation level that I have that it's so impossible for me to reach am I am I trying to uphold to a standard of life or living that is impossible for me to reach right now at this point in time even though I believe I have goals and aspirations and dreams is that not possible with the energy I have right now and with the knowledge the skill set and what do I need to improve on to reach that personal capacity oh Aliki I think you might be touching on our uh, next topic or another topic for another day because we're running out of time great thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of the airy fairy podcast and if you've got any tips any comments anything you'd like us to focus on you can contact us at airyfairy at gmail.com or individually it's airyfairypodcast at gmail.com sorry Aliki got it wrong or you can find us individually my website is marylynch.com.au or you can find me at thepathclearer.com